I'm excited that you're here. Again, my name is Ryan, and if you don't know me, I would love to get to know you, and uh, I'm glad that you're here this morning. You could be anywhere, including your bed, and some of you are going, man, I wish I was there right now, uh, but we're glad that you're here this morning. And uh, so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. So growing up, when I think about missionaries, um, we'd have missionary uh, like conferences and mission conferences. Anybody ever been to like a mission conference? Christian, you've been to some mission conferences before. Well, we'd have these things where missionaries would come in, and they kind of tell their stories, and then they talk about other missionaries that, that, you know, were in the past, and, you know, my pastor would put out kind of a call, those who feel called to missions, and those who, who feel called to, to be a missionary overseas, and, and the, this mission call was over and over and over. My youth pastor would tell me, I'd go to conferences and camps, and they talk about being on mission with Christ, you, you may have heard that, or being a missionary, and in any time it would be uh, the talk of missionary or missionary work, they would throw some big story out there, like a guy named Jim Elliott. Anybody ever heard of Jim Elliott? Maybe a few of you. Cool, cool. So Jim Elliott, he was down in Ecuador. He's telling these folks about Jesus. Well, Jim Elliott uh, got speared to death. So he was a missionary and got speared to death. So they, they throw that story, or they throw out like John uh, Wycliffe, uh, or Wycliffe, uh, however you want to pronounce it, Wycliffe, Wycliffe. And he would translate scripture. Anybody ever heard of John Wycliffe? A few of you? Okay, so we're getting a few more. And so he would translate scripture, and he was killed. Uh, and the thing about it was he was killed, and then he was burned with all the work that he had done. They threw all that into a big pile and burned his body and burned all his work. Uh, uh, William Tyndale was kind of the same same thing. He was, he was actually choked to death before, uh, you know, while he died. And then you have Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was kind of a pastor, but he was a missionary, and he did some really neat stuff, and you've probably heard of him before, Bonhoeffer, a few of you, okay. He was hanged, you know, he was a missionary in, in, his, in his camp, but he was hanged. And, and then you go back to the Bible times, you have the first martyr uh, as they were preaching the gospel. Stephen, like he's preaching the gospel, and then he gets stoned and beaten to death. And, and then you've got Peter who, who was preaching the gospel, and then he was like, I can't be uh, killed the same way that my master, my Lord, was killed. So he was hung up upside down on a cross and crucified upside down, like, and he died. And then you have Paul, who, after he wrote Second Timothy, was laid down on this wooden bed, and then a big, sharp guillotine came down and cut his head off. And like all these missionaries, and you have all this, like, go to, go to other countries and be a missionary. It'll be fun, you know, and you're thinking as you're, as you're a teenager, as you're a younger kid, like, like, there ain't no chance in the world. Like, going overseas and going and, and, and possibly dying for our faith. And then, if you were here Wednesday night for our Hour of Power, you, if you weren't here, you missed an incredible, incredible testimony of uh, some folks that were in Jordan. And I tell you, this story of this, uh, this young man named Fadi... And so Fadi was, uh, came to know the Lord, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he, he, he followed Jesus in that next step of baptism. Well, they could only get the, uh, the water like about a foot and a half deep in this baptismal pool because they only turned the water on one time a week in his town. And so they filled it up as much as they could. They were actually using leftover water that they had before they could go to the next week. And so they were following, uh, they were following the biblical order, you know, salvation, then baptism. And he gets in the pool and check this. 
So he's in the pool. And if you ever have been a part of a baptism or seen a baptism or been baptized, you know, the, there's, there's the pastor or the, the teacher or the person who led you to Christ. They, they walk you through some different things to say. And so do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Uh, you know, just different stuff like that. But one question that stood out and was translated on the bottom, it, 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 it just whew, it hit me hard. It said, are you willing to be persecuted for the name of Christ, no matter the cost? And he said, his response is, with Jesus' help, I can do all things. And that's a real life fact right there, being persecuted no matter what the cost. And I was thinking about that, I was talking to one of our students afterwards, and they, they just so, so... Uh, so sweet, but also so convicting on my own self and uh, convicting for them too. I think it was one of those things where I said, what'd you think about that video? And we were talking about it. And they said to me, uh, you know, I get concerned about people making fun of me or I, got, I get concerned about what people will say to me. Yet this guy is saying, I will be willing to be persecuted to the point of death for Jesus' namesake. And so we think about these missionaries who go overseas and uh, over... Uh, to different countries, and that's our immediate thought, our immediate thought on missions or mission work. we got a mission trip coming up to uh, Guatemala. We've got some different things going on this summer for missions. You, it, it's just going to be really super cool, and I hope, you're, I hope you're dialing in on what we've got to say this morning because this is for you. Because what we see what Paul is saying here is not only to be a missionary, but this might be cheesy, but I thought it was kind of neat, but be a Christianary. Uh, Jackson got a, I got a little chuckle out of Jackson. A Christianary. And so it's a Christian missionary. And so you're going, duh, Ryan, Christian missionary, Christianary. But let me explain through what Paul is saying here in chapter 3 of what it looks like to be a Christianary. What it looks like to be a Christianary. Because here's the deal. God has something to say to each and every one of you in this place. No matter if you're homeschool, private school, public school, you don't go to school. He's calling us to have a missional heartbeat wherever we go because we are Christians. If you claim to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been called onto the mission field, and defining that mission field is what we want to do this morning. So I hope and pray that you dial in on what we've got to say. I hope you're dialed into Ephesians chapter 3, and I hope that's on your phones right now or in your Bibles because we're going we're gonna to dive on into this, jump in head first, but I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to ask God to focus us in on, on his word this morning. So Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers that are here. So many have come in with so many distractions on their hearts. Already they're so distracted. Lord, from, from maybe fighting with parents or fighting with brothers and sisters or a long night last night, they've come into this place with so many different things on their hearts. And so God, right now I pray that you would just hone them in, zero them in on your word that is living and active. Because the enemy would want nothing more for them, them to just be distracted. But God, I pray that this morning that they would hear your word and they would be encouraged about the worlds that they live in. Yes, we're called to be a missionary to the world. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, Lord, you've called us in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. But if we're not faithful here and now, these momentary mission trips to different places won't make a hill of beans. We've got to be faithful now, Lord, and we see that in your word. 
And so, Lord, illuminate it to us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Starting in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles. And then there's, a, there's a, like a hyphen right there. If you have it in your Bible, there's a hyphen, there's a pause. Like, so Paul is starting out a prayer. He's really starting off this prayer. He's going, he's praying for the church of Ephesus. He's praying for the Ephesians. And then he's like, I've got to stop. Like dead center in the middle of his beginning of prayer, he pauses, and I hope you're dialed in. You see these words in verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight to the mystery of Christ, which is not made known to men in other generations as it is now being revealed to the Spirit, or by the Spirit, to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together with the promise, Christ Jesus. I became a servant of, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given, to, given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain every one of the administration of the mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to this, his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are, are your glory. And so we look at this and we're going, man, this is a lot of stuff, Paul. This is, we need to break this down a little bit. And we're going to break it down quickly and just put it in really three sections. That first verse right out of the gate, he's starting to pray. And then he says, time out. I'm not done talking to you guys. Time out. I've got to talk to you guys straight up. He says, church, you've got to listen to me. God has done some big things through Christ. And if you don't get it now, you're going to miss it. And you've got to understand he's talking to these people much like he's talking to you right here. Because if you don't get it now, you're going to miss it in the future. And so as we look at this, we go, okay, this is a lot of different stuff. We've got to break it down really quickly. And so he looks in verse 2 through 6. If you're looking at that, he, he re, uh, reiterates his thoughts from chapter 2 that Gentiles can be saved. He reiterates his thoughts in chapter 2 that Gentiles can be saved. Aren't you glad that he says that? Here's why you should be glad. Because you are a Gentile. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. I'm so glad that Gentiles were included in this. That means I can receive the salvation of Christ. I am so glad Paul talks about this. I am so, and that means you should be glad too. Because if you it weren't included in what Paul was saying, that gospel would be left out of your life and you would not know what it's like to have hope and have a future and have an inheritance 
in the kingdom of God. So he reiterates this. He says it one more time. He restates this, this mystery of Christ, this salvation. He's wanting the, he wants the Ephesians to really grasp this. So hear me out for a second. When you hear Paul re-say re things over and over and over, it's much like you hear Dr. Youssef say things over and over, or me over and over, and you're like, Ryan, I got it. I get it. We need to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God. We need to love God and reach people, make disciples. I get it, Ryan. I don't need you to say it one more time. But here's the thing. Just like Paul, us as pastors, just as leaders, we need to re, uh, restate it over and over and over. Here's why. Here's why. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Here's why you need to hear it over and over and over. Because the enemy is on attack mode. And he wants no more than you to get bogged down with the junk of the world where you are in your world. Now you're going to hear me say that a lot today. So let me reiterate and re-say it in a different type of way. As the world, we immediately think of what? Earth. That's our immediate thought, it, it, but I want to shrink it down to your world. And what I mean by your world is your sphere that you live in, the sphere of influence that you have. Like the people that you are texting, that's your sphere. That's your world. The people that you're sitting next to, that's your world. The people that you go home and sit on the couch with, that's your world. The people that you're in school with and in class with, if you're homeschooled, you, you, know, you still have your family, that's your world, but you have your dogs and cats like that. That's what Lily has. She's homeschooled and she's got her world is Chloe and Ron Jackson. Ron Jackson. Anybody want a cat? I hate that cat. But here's the deal. Our world, our classes, our schools, that sphere, our teams that we're on, that's our world. And when Paul is talking about this missionary, missionary example, that somebody had to get to the point of telling Gentiles, which Paul was a part of that, and telling the Jews that the gospel is for the Gentiles, like it's important. It's important. Here's why it's important. Because we found out about it. I'm so thankful for those missionaries that went out from there. Because they started in their worlds and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. So we look at that second half, that 7 through 13. And that's what we, if we were just to, to narrow that down and just kind of laser focus our, our sights on 7 through 13, if we were really focused in on that, we would say and see that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. You, me, your grandparents, your friends, the gospel is for everyone. And God calls those who, we saw that in, first, in the first part of Ephesians. God calls those. He knows who is going to accept Him. And for some of us, that puts a little ease. There's like, okay, God knows, and, and, uh, and that's great, but here's the deal. He's put a responsibility on us that we must go and tell, that we must go and share. And we see that in this chapter. And so... Gentiles, in this room, this is talking for you how we can be a Christianary in our worlds that God has put us in. The salvation story got to you, and so what do you do with it? Do you just keep it to yourself? Do you say, okay, I've got saved, and I'm not, I'm, I, I, if, if other people know, that's great. 
If not, that's great too. And so that's the tension. Where do we land on this? Where do we, where do we fit in on this? And I think for us to get the message of the gospel to the next generation, that generation being after you, it starts with you. It starts with you as being a Christianary now. And so we see this, two things, if you're taking notes, two characteristics of a Christianary. I see here, number one, a Christianary understands the call of Christ. Understands the call of Christ. As we see in verse 1 through 8, the gospel is for everyone. And we just talked about that, but you need to understand that the gospel is for everyone. The people that you come in contact with, the people that you talk to on a regular basis, the people that are worshiping beside you, the gospel is for everyone. The people that are on stage, the gospel is for everyone. Your family, the gospel is for everyone. And when we miss that, when, we, when, that puts, when that's put on the back burner, that means we've been distracted somehow. Something's come in and got our focus off. And we've got to get it back on. But here's the deal. Again, too many times we think about this mission work or being on mission or being a Christianary even. We think about it going overseas and going you know, to other, other states and it's not here at home, but I beg to differ because, again, people need the gospel. Your friends need the gospel. Your family needs the gospel. I need the gospel. What is the gospel? Very simply, the good news of Christ. Like, that's what we need. And if there's anything else that you wake up to and you think that sustains you other than the gospel, friend, you are sadly mistaken. If the immediate thought is to check your phone to see how many likes you got on the picture that you got last night or how many texts that you received or what you missed in the world on Twitter. Like if that's where your basis is, is that, if that's where your identity is found, that's not it. It should be about the gospel because it's that transforming power that God's put in our lives. And I think about this and I think about if, if something has really changed us, if the gospel has truly changed you, and you would say it's the best and biggest decision that you've ever made in your whole life, why isn't it the one thing that we talk about all the time? And I know that may sound hard, but man, we can talk about our brackets all day long. And we can talk about Atlanta United packing out you know, Georgia Tech football stadium, Bobby Dodd, because that don't happen all the time because it's Bobby Dodd and it's Georgia Tech. So, but here's the deal. We can talk about all that stuff. We can talk about these things that are just kind of futile and frivolous. But if the gospel has truly changed us, listen to me, look at me for a second. If the gospel's truly changed us, why don't we just talk about it? Why don't we just live it out in the worlds that God has called us to be in. You think about it. Many, many religions have missionaries that go out. They have missionaries that go overseas and missionaries that knock on your door and you might get one this afternoon. You have these missionaries coming up and let me, let me tell you about this or let me pose some questions or I have a survey and they ask you all these things. But do you understand that all these other religions 
religions, and that's all it is, a religion. I heard a friend of mine say, a religion is like a cup with a hole in it. You just keep pouring water in it, and it just keeps going out. That's religion. But all these other religions have these missionaries who go out, and they're, they're confused. They're mistaken on truth. But who has the truth? Hands up all over the place. And since we have the truth, shouldn't we want to share it? Because you would say that you love your friends so, so much. I've seen your love for your friends. I follow you on Instagram and on Facebook. Like I see your love for your friends on your stories. Like I see your love for your friends that you go to school with. Like I see it and I love it and it's so awesome to have friends. But do you love your friends enough to tell them about Jesus? I hope you do. I really hope you do because that's what Paul's calling us to do. But not only understand the call of Christ, but in that second part, that 8 through 13, Paul tells us a Christianary must understand the commission of Christ. Commission of Christ. Look at your Bible real quick. On that, that uh, 8B, if you will. He says, this grace was given to me, and then he says, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Does anyone else have another word right there? Say again? Boundless? What else? Anyone else have anything else? Someone might have incomprehensible. Any of you have that version? Well, here's the deal. You know what Paul did? This is found nowhere else in the Greek language. Check this out. Paul made up a word here. He made up a word when he says this. He says incalculable. Incalculable. If you're going to write anything down, write that word down. Incalculable. Paul makes this word up when he talks about the riches that God bestows on us through Christ. Now, the root of this Greek word, the, the root of this word incalculable means footprint. Footprint. Now, here's the deal. Here's the cool part. What this means, it was a term that a trapper would use to follow someone. To follow someone. A trapper would go out, or someone, you know, someone's looking for someone to, to follow either an a, uh, animal or a person. They would look for its footprints and its tracks and follow exactly where that, that person or that animal is going. And that's what Paul was trying to say. If there's anyone to follow, it's Christ. If there's anywhere to go, it's straight to the cross of Jesus that brings us life, that brings us joy, that brings us happiness. Now, you say happiness is circumstantial. Yes, happiness is circumstantial. But here's the deal. If I'm in Christ, man, I want to be happy. It changes me. It changes me. And if we're on that co-mission with Christ, that He's called us out to be Christianaries in our schools, in our homes, yes, overseas too, but right where we are. If He's called us to be these things, He's called you to do it now. You to do it now. 
I don't want you to listen to the lie of the enemy that says, go walk with Jesus later. After you graduate high school, after you graduate college, after you get married, after you have your first kid. And that's what he's going to say. He says, get serious. Go on mission trips and be a part of your, stu- your, your church later. And he says that later. But here's the deal. He wants you to do it now. He wants you to do it now. I came across this on my time hop a couple of weeks ago, and I was reminded about this. This is one of, one of the most famous preachers that has lived so many pastors' hero. He says this quote, and it should rock your world, because it rocks my world. He says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That's something to write down. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. When when Spurgeon says this, he's not saying this to like make you feel bad or bring that that air of conviction. He's not trying to play the part of the Holy Spirit. He's wanting you to grasp that you have a mission now. Now. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit can come in and speak to you in this moment, now, because God's put a call on your life, now, and we want that. So I wonder what would happen, I really do wonder what would happen if we really took this to heart, if we really had a mission mindset, and instead of being a missionary to these other countries, don't get me wrong. We want you to be a part. We want you to go and serve with us in Guatemala. We want you to go. Uh, we're, we're finalizing another mission trip uh, this week. We want you to do those things. But God's called you to be on mission now. And just imagine what would change. Just imagine what would change if we took this to heart today. You have a world around you who unfortunately is dying and going to hell. That's real talk. That's real life. And what are we going to do about it as believers? Let's be the change. Let's be the Christianary we need to be in a lost and dying world.